the woman who was killed by a falling Christmas tree. Oh, I thought it was going to be a reindeer. <laughs> no, that's grandma who gets run over by, exactly by the reindeer. Uh, anyways, yeah. falling Christmas tree. Falling Christmas tree. So this actually happened um, at a Belgian uh, Christmas market. Um, and I don't know. If, so when we go to Germany, they have all of these Christmas markets, and a lot of those countries do that. And they're, they're really beautiful. You know, it's all snowy, and they have um, hot cider and hot chocolate and hot mulled wine and all kinds of Christmas presents. Anyway, it's very, very festive. Um, but this woman was at one of these, and a 66-foot-high Christmas tree just toppled over on her and killed her in the middle of the Christmas market. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing prioritizing Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back. Another week, another episode, Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. Uh, Very Merry Christmas this weekend, holiday cheer, family time. I hope all of our listeners had a fantastic holiday season. We still have New Year's coming up, but uh, how was your weekend? Very good, very good. Um, Christmas, as you know, was really fun. Well, actually, so we do our big celebration on Christmas Eve. Um, So we had a big fancy dinner and Ben and Christina here. Um, So some fabulous gift exchanging and just a lot of laughs and good food and good times. Yeah, it was a great time. Fantastic. Um, I honestly like doing the Christmas Eve day, like Christmas Eve celebration more. Yeah. I always feel like there's a lot of pressure on Christmas Day. It's like your birthday where you know you only have 24 hours and you and every <laughs> hour you feel like you need to make the absolute most of it and uh, get the most value out of the day because it's everyone you look forward to it all year. So Christmas Eve, it, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit where you're like, oh, you know, all of the fun that I'm having today is just on top of the fun that I'm supposed to have on Christmas Day. So it's like extra bonus, extra yeah. bonus fun. Yeah. I like it. I mean, when you were little, it was really fun to, you know, wake up on Christmas morning and and see what Santa had brought and that sort of thing. Um, but then as you got older and you like to sleep in, you know, it kind of dragged on and on. So in the evening where you can have dinner and then open the presents afterwards, it's just kind of, a, you know, the timing's a little bit better. You're yeah. awake, you're not all tired. If you're taking pictures, you know, you've brushed your hair at some point during the day, you've probably showered. There's Maybe. <laughs> there's Maybe. some added. <laughs> well, and then the fun thing too this year was, um, actually it was cute when I, I looked out the window and I saw you and Christina getting out of the car and I was like, oh, look, they have matching pajama pants on. Yeah. And so I was like actually taking pictures before you guys even got in. I was like, look how cute they look. Um, and then you guys got in and, and Christina whipped out pajama pants for me and Peter. So we all had... Had matching pajama pants, so we were we were Facebook ready. Yes, yes, Facebook ready. Um, that was actually Christina's idea. Surprise, surprise. Um, and it, and I knew you would like it because you always had the tra- tradition yeah, of long time ago. new pajama pants on Christmas. Or just pajamas. Pajamas, <laughs> yeah. So you'd wake up uh, Christmas morning with a fresh pair of pajamas. Well, and it kind of meant you would look decent for those Christmas morning photos as well. You yeah. weren't wearing some ratty old stained and torn up pajamas that yeah, <laughs> you'd had be for five years well they definitely would not be facebook ready yeah <laughs> yeah so it was all good and then you guys headed off to uh to phoenix yeah yeah uh, christmas uh, day which honestly i love it's always been a tradition for for me to drive on christmas day because yeah. we would celebrate christmas morning and then 
um, the New Mexican side of my family, they would have their celebrations Christmas evening and same thing with Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving evening. So I kind of got to double dip growing up. And then now I just have this, uh, I don't, I don't know, just like the idea of driving on a holiday day or like traveling on holiday day first is nice because there's no one out on the roads. Mm -hmm. Although this time there was a decent amount. Um, and then also, I don't know, it just kind of brings me back to the good old days. And we went to Gilbert to see Christina's family. Um, I've had Christmas there before. I don't know if we did Christmas Day last year. No, I think actually she went back and you stayed here yeah. the last couple of years for Christmas. Yeah, so this was the first one. It was good. I got Nock a fishing pole and he yeah. loved that. He's a big fisher. Um, and then the Christina's mom, I didn't help with this gift, but their family got her a Louis bag. Really? Yeah. All right. Was she excited? She was ecstatic, ecstatic about it. Yeah. Wow. Very excited. Um, and then there was like a family friend's Christmas after that as well. So that went into the night and we went there and they had a white elephant, which I, I guess a lot of families do white elephant. Mm -hmm. I've hated, I hate white elephant. Like I've oh. never really done it. And I also, I just think it's such an uncomfortable experience. Like I don't like the idea of stealing people's oh, gifts. Oh, I love that. We used to do that at the office all the time when we had a, a much bigger staff. And I mean, it would go on forever because people would just be vicious stealing back and forth. I mean, maybe that's not a good, <laughs> well, it's, a good thing about our staff or it something. It feels but. like a lose-lose because on the side of like the people getting the gifts, it's like, yeah, if your gift is, a gift is getting stolen, you're like, yeah, nice. I got a good I gift. A good job, yeah. But then, you know, you getting your gift stolen, you, no one likes that. You don't like that. Christmas to me doesn't isn't about stealing <laughs> gifts. You know, and... Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, if your gift's one of the ones that no one's stealing, like, you know, I'm sure there's people that I get a gift a while and they're like, oh, this is a good one. You know, people are going to love this. Uh -huh. And then they're no wrong. one steals it. <laughs> yeah. Then you feel like you feel like shit about it after that. Well, you'll do better next year. Gosh darn it. I, I guess. I don't know. The whole dynamic of it has never been a thing that I'm yeah, a okay. big fan of. And they do it. They love it. And Christina's vicious about it as well. So well, somebody's got to stand up for your team. So what did you end up with out of all this? Um, <laughs> so Christina got her for her. She got both of our gifts, so I could participate, even though I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> one of the gifts that she got was a pair of ramen, um, like, joggers slash pajama pants. And so they're essentially, like, a big pair of, of, of pajama pants, and then screen printed across it is the, uh, like, wrapper of a ramen. Oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then on top of that, it was, like, 20 packs of ramen. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, it was, like, the 50-cent ones or whatever. Uh-huh. And... Of course, you know, she got it as a joke gift, so everyone opened it, or so, someone opened it, and everyone was, ha, 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 hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. And then for my first one, I stole someone's gift. Uh, she got soju. Again, another one of our gifts. I stole that one, and then that got stolen from me, and then I stole someone else's. And then it was like the last person, and he stole mine, and he had the ramen. So I ended up with the ramen. I ended up with a shit ton of ramen. It's not even the good ramen either. It's a shitty quality oh, ramen. But the ramen pants sound cool. No, they're terrible. Oh, they're terrible. No, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't go out in public with them. We have a lot of pants you probably shouldn't go out in public in. Yeah, but those are like, at least those pants, no one will notice me. If I'm wearing some uh -huh. shitty, ratty pajama <laughs> pants, they're just like, oh, okay, it's a bum off the street. I come in with ramen pajama pants, I'm the center of attention, and I don't want that. If I'm going to the grocery store, I don't want people to know that. That I'm a ramen All fan. All right. So that was, well, what did Christina end up with? Did she get something good? Um,. What did she get? Apparently nothing that good, if I can't remember it. Oh. Um, I just remember years ago, we, um, somebody had, had as a gift, a gift certificate for um, a pedicure. And it was funny because like the guys were fighting over it. 
Yeah, I was like, okay, that's well, interesting. Well, actually, um, Kevin's old bandmate, or Peter's old bandmate, Kevin, was mm-hmm. like, I have never in all my life, I've done a lot of things, but I have never had a pedicure. So I went the pedicure. But then it kind of got stolen back and forth. And I think he ultimately did end up with it. I think um, that makes sense. Well, and then, then I think, so then I actually think I got a Peter a gift card for one because everybody wanted, all these guys wanted the pedicure. I'm like, well, darn it. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, I feel like, it, you know, most guys don't think to go get a pedicure. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. just not something in... Uh, on our vocabulary or on our to-do list. But then once you get a gift card or a gift certificate for it, you're like, oh, well, now it makes sense. Now it's almost weird if I don't get a pedicure. Exactly. It's like it's an, kind excuse. Of an excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you could be, uh, well, sounds good. Um, and then so then on Christmas Day, we just went down to Sonoida. Um, so it was kind of quiet, but we took the dogs for a nice hike. Um, I had my Chris, had some other Christmas leggings on and um, my a glittery Santa hat, and Peter looked at me and was like, you're going hiking like that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I look very festive, and it'll keep my head warm. Anyway, I did, in fact, do the entire hike in my getup. Well, good. I mean, as long as you got the job done and you were warm, <laughs> that's all that really yeah, matters. Yeah, we didn't run into anybody, so he wasn't too embarrassed by, <laughs> by his wife's antics. But, um, uh, we still do have New Year's coming up. Uh, I know. Big plans for that. I do, actually. So we're going to Mr. Bing's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a gala for Arts Express. Uh, I just need to figure out what I'm going to wear because I decided, I mean, I have lots of dresses and gowns, and I was like, oh, well, I want something new. So then I ordered a dress which was supposed to be here today mm-hmm. and then i got a notification yesterday morning saying oh it's running late it's going to be here january 5th jesus so, christ i know so now i'm gonna to have to go naked <laughs> yeah, that's <not> only <laughs> reasonable answer. so now i'm trying to drag something out of the closet but uh, i feel like you have to have hundreds of dresses well not hundreds but i have i have quite a few um but you know there's just I, I had i had this like bug up my butt that i wanted something new and different um, yeah, so actually while you were getting ready, I was just in there digging around like, all right, I'm gonna, which one of these like, am I going to try on and glam up a little bit? So so that's my big plans. And how about you guys? Uh, nothing as exciting. We So I don't really care about New Year's personally. I don't care about most holidays. New Year's especially, I think it is just very overrated. And, and like, oh, you know what it is? It's not like I don't like New Year's. What I hate is when people like – to just eat like shit or whatever or you know don't work out and then they say well i'm waiting for new year's yeah it's my new year's yeah. resolution which look i've been eating like shit i haven't worked out in months but that's i i'm accepting that that's just because i'm lazy because i don't <laughs> care you know i i think throwing it under this veil of oh i'm waiting for a new year's new year's new me that mentality i don't like you know it's like you just better yourself now if you're going yes. to do it i'm okay being a piece of shit i don't need to better myself <laughs> and i'm not gonna wait until new year's to do it but the you know almost using that as an excuse to just give up on stuff is well or just to get you know to go completely crazy beforehand a lot of people do that over the holidays yeah too, exactly. you know i'm just gonna eat everything now because then after the first i can't yeah i yeah. i hate that i hate that look i eat like exactly like what i'm saying is if you want to do that you're more than welcome to but stop having this facade that oh <laughs> you know i it's my last supper you know i'm just gonna it's a dangerous mentality isn't it it's absurd it's absurd so anyways not really a big fan of new year's everyone really go, goes out which i like going out but then when there's that many people going out it's just chaos and yeah um and expensive as well but christina's co-worker wants to do a bar crawl which 
which I always have the mentality that if, if she wants to do something or if like my friends want to do something and they think it's fun, even if I don't really want to do it, as long as I really, really don't want to do it, if I just kind of don't want to do it, I'll do it because I always end up having yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. So we might do that. Uh, I also told her that I am completely open to doing nothing and watching movies and making dinner uh, instead. So we'll just see what she decides. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a coin flip and then, you know, keep the audience on the edge of their seat wondering what I'm doing New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> well, next week we'll, we'll, we'll unveil the, what happened. Exactly. Well, yeah, I guess when this comes out, New Year's will be over too. So. Well, and on the, but on the next podcast, yeah. we'll talk all about it. Alrighty. Well, yeah. holiday season and cheer. I hope everyone listening had a fantastic holiday, spent some good family time with all of their loved ones, um, and hopefully had no personal injuries or any malpractice <laughs> take place there. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's a good segue into our first um, area of discussion, which is holiday hazards. Holiday hazards. That is a killer name. <laughs> holiday hazards. I actually just thought about that. I think I'd, I'd written down holiday injuries, but holiday hazards makes much more sense. Um, and so I used just a, a bunch of articles have been coming out lately, and so I kind of pulled together some of the ones I thought were interesting. Um, the first of which is uh, one about a woman who was killed by a falling crew. Christmas tree. Oh, I thought it was going to be a reindeer. <laughs> no, that's grandma who gets run over by, exactly. by the reindeer. Uh, anyways, yeah. falling Christmas tree. Falling Christmas tree. So this actually happened um, at a Belgian uh, Christmas market. Um, and I don't know. So when we go to Germany, they have all of these Christmas markets, and a lot of those countries do that. And they're, they're really beautiful. You know, it's all snowy, and they have um, hot cider and hot chocolate and hot mulled wine and all kinds of Christmas presents. Anyway, it's very, very festive. Um, but this woman was at one of these, and a 66-foot-high Christmas tree just toppled over on her and killed her in the middle of the Christmas market. Jesus Christ, 66 feet. I mean, there had to have been other people in the crossfire. Well, there were two other people, but they were um, they, they were injured, but not significantly. So, yeah, she was yeah. <laughs> really bad luck. She was right in the and area. And she died. She died. Oh, yeah. What was the injury? Was it branch? Uh, it just says, let's see. No, it just says she died of her injuries. Yeah, that is insane. 66 feet as well. That is an insanely tall uh, Christmas. Are you think anyone yelled timber as it's going down? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> that might have been a distasteful joke there. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, that would not have been on my Christmas death bingo card, falling Christmas tree. No, no. But, I mean, if you think about it, there's all of there's a lot of injuries that happen because people are up on their roofs and they're putting up all of these lights yeah. and these Santa Clauses. And so people are constantly falling off of roofs and getting electrocuted um, and, and having uh, decorations fall on them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, this this one is a little bit more unusual than average. Yeah. Like and, a, and, well, and a full-on death. It wasn't just, uh, yeah. you know, an injury. I wonder if, uh, like, Christmas light strangling was like a Christmas light killer. <laughs> you could maybe know. murder somebody with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would have been a good serial killer is every Christmas someone gets strangled by huh. Christmas lights. I don't know. Just ideas for any potential serial killers listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till next year. <laughs> yes, we, we hope we have lots of serial killers yeah. in our uh, audience. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully not, but yeah. hey, we appreciate all our listeners. <laughs> from all we don't discriminate. We don't discriminate no, no, as long no, as you no. give us a five-star review. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so speaking of New Year's, um, and this is one I've heard of many a time, um, you, have, you should be very careful when you're uncorking champagne. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. Um, you know, I was told that many times by my grandmother, and it's true. Although none of us ever did lose it, we just had the fun and games and no eye loss. So we were lucky. Yeah, that's the best kind of games. <laughs> anyway, um, inevitably, people just, you know, they want to pop this champagne cork and they want it to be very dramatic and that loud pop and everything. Yeah. Um, and, and the champagne, um, well, actually, the pressure in a champagne bottle is about three times the pressure that you would have in a tire. Jesus. Yeah, they can go 43 feet <sighs> and up to 50 miles per hour. To be fair, that's not even as tall as a tree. So <laughs> it's not saying that much, right? It would it would get all the way across the room though. That's true. Yeah. Anybody without three protective miles, eye gear. Three miles per hour. That is crazy. Fifty miles per hour. Fifty miles. Jesus. Fifty Christ. miles per hour. Yeah. So if you think about that kind of force, I mean, that hits you in the eye. Yeah. I mean, it can cause serious damage and or blindness. Um, and and you know, and it happens every New Year's. So there are some safety tips for opening champagne. Uh, and you know, it's recommended that you put a, a, a towel over it so that uh, it's not going to shoot across the room. Smart. Um, and then um, ease it out gently, lightly twisting it rather than going for that loud pop, which is actually better for the champagne anyway. Um, so hold the bottle at a 45 degree angle, point it away and not point it at anyone. Mm. Well, those are very, I feel like those just make sense. I, I don't know. I think. <laughs> Cool, awesome safety tips. Who's going to be, you know, they're about to crack the champagne bottle. Like, guys, wait, hold on. There's a safety list here. Let me read it out for everyone. <laughs> we don't have to read it out. Just if you're opening the champagne, be cognizant of it. I mean, I'm very cognizant of it. I mean, I, I for years, I've been very careful opening champagne bottles. Well, you've seen the worst of the worst. I, I know every way that somebody can get injured or maimed, unfortunately. Yeah, I, but it's the same thing with like fireworks. Every year, everyone talks mm -hmm. about fireworks, be safe, you know, fireworks safety, you can do this and this and this every year there's people that that lose fingers and then there's because they didn't pay attention to the safety yeah yeah safety rules yeah but uh so if you're enjoying um champagne or alcohol free uh so let's say that you're at a friend's house and yeah. it's new year's and they pop and and the homeowner pops a bottle and you lose an eye yeah hits yeah. you across the room you're just sitting there enjoying your fruit punch and bah, right in the eye <laughs> What is there any actions you can take? Is there any because I mean you're on that there. Well, grounds. yeah, actually. So I mean, the question would be whether there was negligence, and I would say yes. They were opening the champagne in a negligent manner, um, and potentially it wouldn't even necessarily have to be the homeowner. Um, but but the ho homeowner's insurance, um, you could make a claim against the homeowner's insurance. Mm. So um, and, and and so suppose you're actually at a restaurant or a bar, that would be even better, especially if it's an employee opening it. Yeah. Um, that's going to be, you know, clear, clear liability on the restaurant, on yeah. the employer. Um, and, and, you know, quite frankly, if you're at a bar or a restaurant, they should be trained. Yeah. There's, <laughs> I, I feel like I'd be shocked if these, some of these injuries happened at a bar or restaurant. I don't, I've been in bars seeing, seeing, seeing corks go flying, um, you know, shortly before midnight. I mean, it's, it's dramatic. People like to, you know, it's, it's, it's not very exciting to hold a towel over it and ease it off and it just goes yeah, you know. if I was buying that bottle, I'd be pissed. <laughs> pissed. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, and I'm assuming no criminal, right? Like if, what if, you know. Well, if you, you aimed it, like if, if you just specifically aimed it at somebody's yeah. eye. And it was and a clean shot off. straight through the skull. Came out the back. <laughs> I mean, if you intentionally aimed it, then that would pretend, that would be like assault and battery. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. I mean, and would it be a deadly weapon? I don't know. 
It could be at 50 miles an hour. That's that could be a deadly weapon. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I think uh, I, there's a good argument for there's it. Some grounds. There's some grounds. There's yeah, some grounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully anyone that has, again, uh, New Year's will be out, so uh, has opened their champagne bottle this most recent New Year's, didn't have any injuries. And if you did, uh, contact <laughs> well, give us, us. Give us a call. <laughs> give us a call. We'll be right there. We'll be calling the home insur- homeowner's insurance right yeah, now. Get you hooked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So another holiday, and this one was actually kind of surprising to me, also about New Year's Eve, and that is that there is a surge on the sale of Plan B in the day, in the, in the two days following New Year's Eve. Nice. Yeah, safety. <laughs> but it's interesting because that, that, you know, they said that it doesn't really correlate that. So, so a lot of people are, are probably having sex on New Year's Eve, um, may or may not have planned ahead. Um, but they said, you know, they looked at other holidays that are typically romantic, like Valentine's Day, uh, you know, or Christmas, and they don't see this surge. So then the question was, well, why would it specifically be New, New Year's Eve? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, part of it has to do with there's a lot of alcohol being consumed on New Year's Eve. Um, but then also everybody's celebrating until midnight and beyond. Mm-hmm. So then if you didn't plan ahead and you don't have condoms or anything, um, it's hard to find a place that's open to go purchase them. Um, and again, your decision making is probably not ideal if yeah. you've had a lot of alcohol and it's it's late at night and now you're all awake and there's nothing else to do. So anyway, um, apparently that is the the uh, the time for non-safe sex. Well, I think that makes sense. One of the things you mentioned especially is that the there's a lot of drinking and even though like valentine's and and christmas you know the, well valentine specifically right is a romantic holiday and then like christmas i guess people drink halloween people drink but new year's the holiday itself really revolves around drinking essentially like that's how people celebrate um, well, I mean, you can have a party and be celebrating New Year's. It wouldn't necessarily be drinking. You can, but that's, <laughs> I mean, the holiday still revolves around drinking. The entire like uh, image or vision of it is popping champagne bottles. That's why it's but such like a big risk. That's like the very last minute. And it could just be a sip of shit. Well, maybe, but... I'm, I'm just playing devil's yeah. advocate, but, but no, it's true. Although, you know, the interesting thing in this article, they were saying that they actually looked at other... Uh, holidays that are associated with drinking, such as St. Patrick's Day and Fourth of July, and there's a little bit of an increase, but oh. not, but still not as significant as New Year's Eve. So there's something, something odd, and they they don't know exactly what it is. Well, it's, you're going into the New Year. You don't want to be popping a kid out in New Year, right? Everyone's talking about their New Year's resolution, <laughs> and and maybe they're like, oh well, I don't want a kid this New Year's. So new Year, new me, and my new me is not going to be having a kid. All right, so that's the plan B. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that is really interesting, though. I, I wonder what that is. I wonder, you know, especially the fact that St. Patrick's Day and Fourth of July doesn't have yeah, yeah. Uh, nearly the same increase. Um, I, I again, just going back to New Year's. I think everyone celebrates New Year's. The, the only people that I guess wouldn't was probably like Chinese because they have their oh, own New Year's. Yeah, New Year's. But other than that, every nation across the world celebrates New Year's. Well, they don't all have the same New Year. Um, I mean, they kind of do, no? No. Well, I know I went to um, uh, a Persian New Year party, 
And it was not on New Year's. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not, it's, well, it's on their calendars. Come, like, so St. Patrick's Day is a very, you know, it's a, a Irish, right? Yeah, Irish, yeah, Irish holiday. And yes, a, a lot of people, maybe even most of the people that celebrate it aren't Irish. Same thing with 4th of July. It's a very patriotic thing. And a lot of the people that celebrate it is for for the United States. But New Year's just seems so much more universal and yeah, it's focused yeah, on drinking. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Well, and I think also it's, it's, a, it's a long party, right? Yeah, that's I mean, a so, great point, so going for, into midnight. Well, right, because, I mean, you have to stay up till midnight and then beyond. And, you know, parties probably still start at 8 o'clock or maybe you go out to dinner first or something along those lines. So it's a really long spread of time drinking, whereas, like, 4th of July, you know, you could have a barbecue. You, you could just, you know, I mean, as soon as the sun goes down, the fireworks go off. Um, St. Patrick's Day, I mean, man, people are drinking in the morning. I don't know. I mean, you pass out midday or something. And again, stores, drugstores are all open still when, when those holidays are over if you need to stop in for some some quick uh, birth control. Yeah. So so I don't know. I mean, it, it's, uh, again, they didn't really have an answer, but I think it's a, it's an interesting thing that, that this is like the big time where people are having unprotected sex and, and having some regrets the next day. And uh, yeah. Well, uh, anyone listening, definitely get your plan B in advance and maybe sold out. Shelves might be cleaned <laughs> off the next day. So here's your heads up. And better than that, maybe just wear protection too. Yeah, plan. Just plan ahead. Just, plan ahead. just in case, even if yeah. you don't have any big plans, just in case. Uh it's it's interesting hearing these di- different types of injuries and, and uh, issues that people face during the holiday season. Is that something that you've typically uh, recognized, I guess, over the, the years working in the in law field of just the heightened increases of cases, of complaints, of just kind of funky stuff happening around holiday season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the whole holiday season, you know, Christmas through New Year's, I mean, there is, you know, certainly an uptick in drinking. And so you'll see a lot of DUIs, you'll see a lot of car accidents, um, those sorts of things. And then also um, injuries, slip and falls, those sorts. You know, again, if you're drinking, um, it's probably more likely that that's going to happen. So you do see see a fair amount um, a fair amount more injuries. That makes sense. Yeah, I know. Um, I always hear like New Year's and 4th of July, the emergency rooms are packed with mm-hmm. people with fireworks and um, a variety of other things. But I feel like not many people really do fireworks on New Year's. We used to always do fireworks on New Year's. Did we? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, the last few years we've done it. We used to like go out to dinner um, and then come back to the house and, and do some fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully everyone has a fantastic and safe New Year's. Um, <laughs> and hopefully you're not waiting till New Year's to enact your New Year's resolution. Because yeah. you can always better yourself every day. And I choose not to, but... anyways uh moving on updates on cases oh wait well there was one more one more one more one one more and this is the incidence of penile fractures are up at christmas (laughs) nice (laughs) again why christmas we don't know exactly but this was a german study that said that they are much more likely to occur around sitting on santa's lap christmas day (laughs) so all the santas are going in with the fractures yeah, so apparently it's 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 not a very common injury, um, but in fact it does happen more often right around Christmas. Uh, so people are going into the emergency room; they're getting a little bit more acrobatic, a little bit more um, aggressive and energetic on Christmas. And again, I don't know exactly why they didn't give us uh, the answer, but um, you know people are more likely 
you know, being intimate because it's the holiday and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think injurious. I don't know why. It's interesting. I think I'm okay with staying in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm not going to be searching for an answer in my free time. (laughs) Interesting uh, statistic there, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Germans felt compelled to study this. I guess so. Yeah, they just saw a massive influx, consistent (laughs) complaints throughout the country, and they said there has to be something here. We need to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So, all right. Holiday injuries or holiday hazards, as we said. Mm-hmm. So um, updates on cases. Um, the hernia mesh, uh, the barred hernia mesh uh, multi-district litigation, uh, the plaintiffs are now asking, asking the court to start a remand process. Um, and what that is, is if um, they've, there's been a number of trials and we're coming up on the fourth trial, the fourth Bellwether trial in April. When there's been a number of trials and there's no real uh, movement towards a global resolution, uh, and if it's been a long time, five years now, um, the, the, the plaintiffs can say, hey, this isn't getting resolved the way that we had hoped it would get resolved. All of these plaintiffs, and there's over 20,000 now in this MDL, these plaintiffs have been sitting around waiting. Um, if the defendant isn't going to take this seriously and look at resolving these globally, then we want the cases sent back to their home courts. We want to work them up, and we want want to take them to trial individually. Wow, that's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, and so that is the request. And what normally happens is that they wouldn't send all 20,000 back right away, but they do them in what's called tranches. Mm-hmm. So they take, you know, a group and the, the, the judge would decide on how many, um, it may be a thousand, it may be 2000. Um, and they would send, send uh, you know, those back. Uh, and then several months later, another group would go. Gives them a taste of it. Says, hey, this is what we got in the barrel for you. If, you, <laughs> if, you, if you're not going to come to the table, then we'll keep unloading. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it keeps going. But the reality is that if they don't want to settle them, then the only option is that they want to try them. So let's do it. Let's not keep you know pissing around here. It's been five years. Something needs to happen one way or the other. Um, so that may well be happening. And, and what will happen is either th- this will start, and, and quite often it starts and then a settlement occurs. Um, and this happened when we were involved in the Zarelto cases. And I think there were two two waves, some uh, trancher waves, but groups of cases that get sent back. And I think it was after the second wave um, was in, uh, in the discovery process. And that's where actual depositions are being taken of the plaintiffs and of the treating doctors to get the cases ready. Um, and it was after the second wave, um, and I think it was within about six or maybe six months or so of the, the beginning of the remand, and then there was a global settlement. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think it makes sense for the plaintiffs where they've been waiting around for so long here, and, and you really need to kind of force some action. And the the entire mass tort field is to make this process a little bit easier for, mm-hmm. for the plaintiffs as well as for, for the defense yeah. as well. And I think this is a good way of kind of showing your hand and saying, look, if you aren't going to come to the table or you aren't going to take this serious enough, we're willing to do all of the extra work on our side, but get ready because you're going to have to feel it on, on your side as well. Yeah. And then you start getting hit with like, you know, verdict after verdict after verdict. And, you know, kind of the things that we've been seeing in the tout cases and the Monsanto cases, um, you know, if you, if you don't want to settle the cases, then we're going to keep trying them. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like that's the direction that we're going to be going with the barred hernia mesh. Um, and now again, there are, you know, multiple 
manufacturers of hernia mesh, and this is one MDL. Um, we have spoken about some others that are in the process of settling or have settled, um, but but specifically Bard, and Bard is the biggest player in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have uh, the hugest part of the the market share on hernia mesh. And so this remand is specific to that. It's brand. just this MDL. It's okay. just the Bard hernia mesh MDL. And and why do you think they are dragging their feet more than the other ones? Because you mentioned that other of the other MDLs are kind of getting to that settlement point. They're at the table. They're having discussions. Why is Bard? Well, I, I you know, and I don't know for sure, but my my guess would be um, an educated guess, but that you know they are the biggest, um, and they have. I mean, again, twenty thousand uh, uh, cases. They have, you know, more than uh, more than many of the others did. So yeah. it's a much bigger deal, and they are, um, you know, the leader in the market, and they're still selling a lot of these products. So they have fought it, um, you know, pretty pretty much tooth and nail. Um, but again, at some point, um, in all likelihood, there will be a global settlement. And so what does it look like from their end with their attorneys? Because like you said, all of these cases are being sent to their home base to be individually tried. Obviously, there needs to be uh, someone on the other side of that. They're going to have to send counsel to to represent and, and try these cases. Are they... Well, I guess, first off, how many lawyers do they have on deck to where they can start sending it out? How many of these cases can be tried at one time? Is there a, a possibility where, you know, they send it back to all these states and each state, you know, tries to try, tries, you know, like 15, 20 of them each. And then all of a sudden there's just hundreds of cases. Like, do they have to hire more lawyers? Or oh, yeah. Yeah. They like would that? have to definitely bring on more attorneys. I mean, and I don't know exactly how many they have working on these cases, um, but they would have to bolster the they're, you know, they would definitely have to get a bunch more. So it, it's going to, you know, incur a lot more in costs and just the management of all of that. Like yeah. you said, I mean, it's all over the country. Um, and, you know, and, and the, the attorneys who filed the cases, we already are all over the country. Yeah. You know, although that being said, any attorney can file cases for um, <clears throat> plaintiffs in other states. So you would have to have local counsel or get admitted pro hoc vice just for that case. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, it, it's a lot of work on both sides, um, but they, you, there's a lot lot more of the plaintiff's attorneys. Yeah. You know, when you think about 20,000 cases, uh, I don't know exactly how many attorneys that's divided up between, um, but a lot, you know, thousands and thousands of attorneys are involved. With their own costs and their own staff and whatnot compared mm-hmm. to one organization having yeah. to, you know, meet all of these demands and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to me that companies would even let it get to this point. Like, I can't understand how on the back end it would make sense for them to incur all of these extra costs of hiring more attorneys and flying them out across the country and trying each of these cases individually, where some, sure, maybe some of them you end up doing better than you thought, you end up winning it. Uh, But then other cases, you get hit with massive punitive, and it only takes a handful of big punitive cases for you to really start feeling the pain of individual trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, to, and it may be too that, that uh, well, in these cases, there are going to be really super strong cases, and there's going to be cases that aren't so strong. And so what will happen is when they start getting remanded, if somebody filed a crappy case, and there's always pressure, do not file crappy cases, <laughs> yeah. don't do it, don't do it. But if they filed a crappy case, in all likelihood, they're going to be like, whoa, now we have to start taking depositions. And, and that plaintiff's attorney is going to be incurring all of those costs. Mm. Um, and so, and then the other things have happened too. In five years, maybe somebody's died, maybe, you know, who knows. Um, and so some of those cases will just get dismissed. <clears throat> and they won't be pursued, but then other cases are going to go, and they may and, and 
they may win some of them. I mean, they won um, out of the three trials that have happened so far, they did win one out of the three. Um, so if some of those cases will be defense verdicts, um, but other cases, other ones are going to be plaintiff's verdicts and just keeping up with it. Like you mm -hmm. said, it's going to be pretty overwhelming. It's going to be expensive, um, you know, and again, could set some really difficult precedents for them. I mean, every time there's a big verdict now, they're like, oh, now we've got to appeal. Likewise, on the plaintiff side, if the plaintiffs lose, they're going to appeal. Now they've got all these cases, you know, in, in courts of appeals all over the country. You know, so we're looking at another two years of litigation. Yeah. Um, so the reality is that that um, I think that it's a positive thing from our perspective because it's going to push something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it may be a lot of work. I mean, I know when the when the Zeralto cases got remanded, it was it's a lot of work. And, and, and on a smaller firm, it can be, you know, it can feel pretty overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, as long as, uh, you know, the plaintiff's attorneys uh, either either handle them on their own or associate with some of the bigger firms, if they're not uh, able to do that, um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a, it's a strong move. Mm -hmm. So so could you think of this as, as almost thinning the herd from the defense uh, perspective where, um, yes, they ought obviously take on their own costs and there's a lot more moving pieces, appeals, there's a lot of stuff going on. But it, uh, the biggest takeaway that I got was that there's a lot of cases that might um, have, should not have been filed. They're not very good cases. People passed away or, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe the costs are, are difficult for the small, smaller law firms to handle. Could this be a tactic for them to kind of thin the herd among all of the cases and try to drop some of the, you know, low hanging fruit? Well, that's actually, it's a good question. Um, and, and I would just say that when you said that a lot, I wouldn't say a lot of them are bad cases, yeah, but there yeah. always will be some, um, hopefully not, uh, not a lot. Um, but even, even if it's a global settlement, you know, they're, they could say we're not paying on cases, you know, on these cases, X, Y, Z cases. And so there, even when there's a global settlement, there are going to be a number of cases, if there really are crappy cases, that don't even qualify to participate in the settlement. Okay. And that would be, and, and, and the reason would be that um, the defense is like, well, we can win these cases. Mm -hmm. So, so um, it's not a great tactic from their perspective. I think there's a lot more downside for them than upside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's shocking that they would even let it get to that point. Because I mean, I just I, I, I actually cannot fathom how a single organization could organize and, and figure out how to deal with all of these moving pieces across the entire country and then to take it to a whole nother level of additional uh, cases in court of appeals. Um, it sucks for both sides. I, I agree with you. I think the plaintiffs are kind of taking the better piece of the pie here because they are forcing action. The hernia mesh cases are good cases. That's something that's been worked on for a while. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you guys kind of already have your feet under you know, ready to, to pursue these if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's pos It's good news. Good news, but a definitely, uh, definitely significant update. So we will uh, continue to keep you updated on how that's going. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, hernia mesh, we've had some consistent updates year round with that. So with more action, more, more action, more updates. It's good, good all around. <laughs> That's our job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so the next topic, this is going to be, uh, you told me so. Okay. Oprah. I'm ready for it. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, it's Oprah and Ozempic. Oprah and Ozempic. Did I, did I say that? You did say that. We were the other day, you, you we were, I don't know what we were talking about, but you're like, oh, she's on Ozempic. I was like, no, she's not. She's not on Ozempic. I was like, she's one of those people who's like very forthright and honest and out there and tells, tells it like it is. And she had previously said that she was not going to go on it. 
However, she has changed her mind. And as I said, she's come out and been very honest about it. And so um, in this latest People magazine, well, you know, she's all in the news about the color purple and everything right now. Did not know The movie, that. yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, she has come out and she hasn't said what she's on, but she has had said, said that after she consulted with her physician, um, she is taking a pharmaceutical um, as she feels like she needs it to manage the fluctuations uh, with her weight. So... So she didn't necessarily come out and say she was taking Ozempic. Well, she and probably she's taking Wegovy because that one is, is is specifically prescribed for weight loss and it's a little bit stronger and mm-hmm. apparently more effective for weight loss, uh, whereas Ozempic is more directed towards the diabetes. Does she have a history of struggling with weight? I know. Oh my gosh! Well, I've absolutely. seen yeah, I've seen like old clips of her and like you know, there's definitely some differences in time periods where she'll be heavier than others, but. Nothing to the point where I felt like it was required. And I mean, this is fully third party, you know, outside perspective here. But visually, it never seemed like something where it was out of control and, and um, you know, life risk or risking. Or well, like yeah, probably not life risking. But, you know, what she talks about in this article, too, is that, you know, she's a very much a public figure. Yeah. And people feel like they can just criticize public figures. Oh, yeah. Um, and as a black woman, she's been criticized probably more than she, you know, I mean, as a minority, certainly. And um, they've, people have just jumped on her weight, and, and it has fluctuated. There was one point, I think, in the late 80s where she lost a huge amount of weight. She was a spokesperson for Weight Watchers for a while. Wow. Um, but she's absolutely struggled and, um, and, and, and been just a real viciousness. I mean, just horrible trolls, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, criticizing her. Um, and, and she, you know, was said that it, it really was devastating to her personally. I mean, being attacked that way. Yeah. So, um, and, and what she had said was that she, she, ha- she's had some issues with her knees for years and she was not able to be active. So she, um, uh, finally had the surgery and then she was doing a lot of hiking and walking and more exercising and she had naturally dropped some weight um, and at that point she decided that um, you know she, she did want to go on the medication with the doctor's supervision now that she was able to, to get around and, and move some more um, and just not to, not to have this you know the, the fluctuations the, the ups and the downs yeah. um, and, and constantly worrying about it yeah I mean I, I can't even imagine what the pressure might feel like as a public figure and someone of you know her her magnitude of her notoriety mm-hmm. um, in this space she has a lot of eyes on her and uh, like you said I mean people are definitely very hurtful online yeah. and um, it's almost all, every time I mean I would say every time it's just kind of just nonsensical just, just saying stuff to say stuff almost mm-hmm. uh, but it, you know it does get to a person so I, I think that makes a lot more sense it's good that she was able to also be active at the same time. I think that's really yeah, important. And, yeah. and I think that's a piece a lot of people miss out on, especially when you see um, like the documentaries or the, or the um, which are like my 500 pound life where they get gastro mm-hmm. uh, surgery and, and whatnot. And a lot of these fixes or a lot of the times people hop on these medications or have these surgeries, they leave out the key component of, of being active and being healthy and not necessarily is it all about eating, especially at the higher weights, it is all about eating calorie intake. And at the end of the day, it is about calorie intake, but to, you know, health, be healthy when you're losing that kind of weight um, and keep it consistent, the, the, the activity is a key part of it. So her kind of making sure these two things were coinciding with each other is good to hear. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's just, it's very sad. I mean, you know, it's just the amazing things that she's done in her career um, and the people that she's helped. And I mean, she's, uh, you know, the charity she's been involved in and everything. And there's, she just has so much going for her. Mm-hmm. And people just want to talk about her weight. I mean, and that seems to be like this, this big, you know, focus. Yeah. Um, and, and why in the world is that? such a, why is that anybody else's business mm-hmm. but you know I, I guess as a public figure people think it is well it's nice too that she's sharing about it yeah, uh, yeah. and being very open i think that kind of goes with her overall brand of, of being open and yeah. very upfront with with her viewers and her fans um i am curious to see if it's ozempic or if it's the um well, the Wagovi is one Wagovi. for the, yeah. yeah. And then there's actually uh, one of the other manufacturers that's coming out with an, one that's specifically for weight loss. It's supposed to be even stronger. And okay. so, you know, she did not specify the brand, mm-hmm. um, but just that she was on a prescription medication. Yeah. I mean, it's prevalent throughout of all of Hollywood and especially some of these public figures. I mean, she's not the only one that is is commented on and judged for, for her weight. You know, there's a lot of people out there. I remember... Um, I love McConan and Adele, like a lot of these big figures who they, they rise to fame so quickly. And Oprah's been around for a while, but a lot of these figures yeah. that come to rise to fame so quickly, a lot of people's first comments are on, you know, their body, yeah. body type, which is terrible, but it is kind of just how it is. Yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, um, I guess it's not really an I told you so situation, <laughs> but I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, and my thing was just, you know, I felt like if she was, she wouldn't hide it. And so I guess we both are kind of, I told you so. Well, yeah. she is, and she's not hiding it. There we <laughs> uh, go. She was hiding it. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, you're not hiding it until you aren't, or. Yeah, well, on the Ozempic front as well, um, the other other uh, issue that's come up is that people are having um, a lot of, they're overdosing, they're um, accidentally overdosing on it. Um, and there's been just a, a 1,500% increase in calls to poison centers. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it says, let's see, from January through November of this year, there were 3,000 um, calls involving uh, the uh, semaglutide. Um, so basically, the the Ozempics and Wagovis. <clears throat> and and what what does an overdose entail? So the the issue is that when you take it at home, it's in this pen, and you have to kind of crank it. And so people are accidentally giving themselves more than the um, one the once a week dose. And some of the people are actually accidentally giving themselves like ten times the standard dose. So they're accidentally using the entire pen rather than. <laughs> so so hold on. Let me let me okay. I'll make sure I understand how this works. Uh, because I've had pens, self-administered pens like that, like Enbrel right, and right. Humira, and those are one-use pens. Those are, you know, you, you inject it, and that is your one dose. There's no chance of, of overdosing it. Ozempic, you're telling me that it is a pen that has a month's worth, let's say, or several months' well, worth. Well, it has like 10, it has 10 doses, and they're once a week. So it's a pre-filled pen, which come, um so what they do is they have to dial to the correct dose because you can give different doses and then click it to inject. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Now, and, and that's, uh, but there are also, um, if, if you get yours from, um, from one of the compounding pharmacies, it can be something where you actually have to draw up the medication. And so then people are accidentally, you know, uh, drawing up too much. Oh, and it's just such a, 
terrible method. I mean, with, with a drug like this, where people are looking for quick results, as you know, the best results as quickly as possible. And obviously, uh-huh. there's always this misconception of the more I take, the better, or the you know, the faster it'll work. Yeah, faster, yeah. the more effective it is. And so, a drug that already is kind of falling into that category of high chance of abuse, and then you're making it so it's self-administered, and you can have direct control over the dosages. I, it's that's shocking to me. Okay, so there's a patented drug, and then there are also compounded versions, and these compounded versions um, can, can contain uh, these semaglutide salts or semaglutide sodium, and these these salt forms of the drugs haven't been tested; they're not, they've not been approved by the FDA, so they shouldn't be selling them. But they are uh, they are selling them in these compounding pharmacies, and a lot of people are flooding to these. Uh, pharmacies because it's much cheaper. Mm-hmm. And the FDK has sent letters to online sellers and multiple medical spas and clinics and weight loss clinics that are selling these knockoff versions. And they're basically telling them that they, they need to stop. But it is out there. Um, and But the FDA is warning the public, don't take these compounded versions. And these are a little bit more, a little bit easier to overdose on as well, because they come in these multi-dose glass vials, and then the patients have to draw their own doses into syringes. So it's much easier to yeah. get to get confused. Now the pins, where you have to dial to it. I mean, and some people are still managing to get confused on those, um, but they were uh, they were saying that there's. Um, at least two cases where people gave themselves 10 times the recommended amount. I mean, this is, this is insane. Insane <laughs> to me, especially with like this whole FDA where they know that these compounding pharmacies are creating a drug, these, these, you know, back backwoods version of this drug using chemicals and, and, and processes that aren't FDA approved and it's causing damages to uh, society, to the community that they're in. And the FDA is just warning, hey guys, don't don't get this drug from a compounding pharmacy. I mean, how is there who who's in charge of this? Who is like <laughs> going to come in and say, you guys are creating a, a back fucking wood version of this drug <laughs> with with components that aren't regulated, aren't approved, and then giving it out in in a, in, in a way that is very easily uh, you know misconstrued or, or overused. Well, they are warning the public, but they're also sending warning letters to oh, their letter. pharmacies. Warning letter, holy! You know, trying to convince them to. Well, but again, you know, we get to the whole issue of what the FDA can do and should be doing. Um, and ultimately, they can take additional steps and they can assess fines. Um, they won't. I mean, they, they... Well, no, they do in some, in, some, in some cases. But at this point, they've sent out, sent the warning letters and they are warning the public. Well, I mean, cool, warning the public. And I, I mean, how, okay, these compounding pharmacies too, on a separate point, because I, I am somewhat familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Insane concept to me. I mean, it is against essentially a um, laboratory that you bring a prescription and you say, hey, I need this drug. And they have hundreds of components and they just throw it together, you know, like like they're making some cookies in the back. (laughs) Okay, not exactly. You know, I I think that there can be good compounding pharmacies. I think they are a little bit riskier because, you know, who knows that Joe Blow is doing the mixing and is it exactly. But I mean, the benefits to them are that, you know, some medication may come in, you know, 50 milligrams, 10 milligrams. Well, what if you, you know, what if you need some specific, you know, amount that isn't 
you know, made into the pills. Um, you can have it compounded to the exact dosage that you need that your doctor is recommending for you. Hopefully it's compounded but, together. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I think that they are, they are a little risky and there's... That's crazy. There's one time I got a prescription for something and they sent me to a compounding pharmacy. And I remember like I went there and I gave it to them and I was looking around and they're like, oh yeah, come back in like three or four hours and we'll like, we'll put it together now. And as soon as I walked out, I was like, I'm not going back. <laughs> like, serious? I swear to God, I was like, they're literally creating the drug in the back. Like, it, I don't know who's making it. There's, It just seems like there's so little oversight, at least with a pharmacy, at least with, you know, you go through these tests and then and then there's very set ways of how drugs are, are created, right? Like, it's in a factory. It, it is the way that it is. Imagining someone just kind of like, measuring cupping my, my medication, <laughs> eyeballing it. Eyeballing it. Pinch yeah. Here. It, pinch. yeah. I mean, it kind of feels like that. I, mean, I know pinch here, a sprinkle there. Yeah. Like I know that there it, it's, it's definitely like a lot more, um, careful and technical shirt, whatever, but either way, I mean, it, it when you're of an individual who knows what if they got broken up with the day before and their eyes are full of tears and they can't see the, the zero on, on your measurement. <laughs> like I just, I don't know. I just don't trust that at all. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, there have been there definitely been issues with compounding pharmacies, and I assume that there are some some good ones and some reputable ones. But. Well, and it makes sense too with those MPPs. I know you mentioned that there was there's a, a massive surge in need for it because yeah. I mean originally it was intended for diabetes. Obviously, it's being used um, almost primarily for 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 weight loss at this point. They weren't expecting this high demand, so compounding pharmacies that can kind of throw together a makeshift version of it, I can see the the appeal. Well, uh, moving on, what uh, other cases that we're handling? Um, so well, actually, it's been interesting. We have had a surge of calls regarding dental malpractice cases in the last couple of weeks. And I'm not really sure what that is about. Um, but all of a sudden, we had quite a few calls on those. Um, and they're always, always difficult cases. First of all, going to the dentist is just miserable. I mean, I personally can't stand going to the dentist. Yeah, I just uh, don't go. <sighs> Seriously? It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Okay, that's something we'll have to talk about offline. But yeah, it's important yeah. to go and have good dental health. It can affect... As soon as I hit 18, not a single appointment. Uh, Dunzo. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this, it, 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 it's an interesting lead into this. But um, I, so when I was growing up, I we had a relative who was like a great uncle, basically, who was a dentist. And so that was a dentist we had to go to because basically he didn't really charge us much. No. Or my, my grandparents, I don't know what he charged. But um, but he was really pissed off that he had to like basically treat these kids for free. So he was like mean to us. <laughs> and I can remember him being like, you know, if you don't open your mouth, I'm going to put a bottle in your mouth. And I was like, I'm going to put a bottle in my mouth and then be able to do any dental work. It didn't even make sense. sense. But he was like just a scrouchy, nasty guy. And I think he resented us anyway. So the whole experience was just awful. Mm -hmm. Hated going to the dentist. And then so actually when I was in college, um, I just, I, I mean, at 18 or whenever I left home, I just basically didn't go for a really long time. And then I was having extreme pain and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to the dentist. And it was like a seven year gap that I did not go to the dentist from the whole trauma of the situation. And so then I actually, my mother had said, okay, well, there's this dentist and he uses nitrous oxide. And so I went into the dentist and I said, you know, I'm absolutely terrified. I was like shaking and I couldn't even, you know, 
just deal with the situation. And he said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. Um, I'm going to put you in this chair. I'm going to give you this nitrous oxide and I'm going to put this Walkman, this was back in the days of Walkman, on your head and you're going to listen to some music. So I'm listening to the music, have the nitrous oxide. He comes in, I'm like, do whatever you want. I don't even care. But it really does completely relax yeah. you. And, um, and of course, you know, they numb you up. But I couldn't eat. I mean, the numbing, it was the mental part of it. It wasn't the physical pain. It was just the terror. Mm-hmm. And so it really did work. And now I go to the dentist, um, like, I get my teeth cleaned three times a year instead of two. Well, I like the nitrous oxide. You want a quick little buzz, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so I definitely get how 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 you know unpleasant it is. Um, you know, but, but a lot of people come in and, um, I mean, again, it's just like medical malpractice. There's a standard of care and the doctor has to fall below the standard of care. And because it was an unpleasant experience or you experienced pain, that doesn't mean that they necessarily did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to get another dental ex, you know, get another dentist to act as an expert witness and say, yes, this doctor was negligent. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think, I, th- I think dentists going to the dentist is like one of the most common fears in the yeah. United States. Um, which is interesting. It makes sense. I never have had a big problem with the dentist, but I also haven't enjoyed it. Um, I remember I, I, I had a cavity. I had a cavity and it kept popping out. And I remember I, I, had, to, I had to go back to get it refilled like two or three times. And I think, and then that, after that, I was kind of scarred where I was like, why the fuck am I even doing this? Like, why am I going to the dentist and getting, they don't know what they're doing. I, it <laughs> triggers me the most is when there, because then I went, went to a different dentist and he was like, yeah, this can't be filled. You need a root canal. And then I went to another dentist and he was like, actually, you don't need any either of those. You're actually fine. Just, just leaving it how it is. I don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. But uh, regardless, yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people do not like going to the dentist. And so there being uh, complaints about it kind of goes in line with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how bad does a dentist visit have to be in order to reach the point of malpractice? And has any of the calls that you've received yet gotten to that point? Well, we have a cases in the past, and we have a couple of cases that we're investigating right now. Um, there was a case that actually just got filed about a Minnesota dentist that was a real extreme case. Um, and in this situation, the dentist in one visit did eight crowns, four root canals, and 20 fillings. Holy, that's the entire fucking mouth. Well, it is, basically. And so the patient is is uh, suing the dentist over this, and it sounds like just an absolute horrendous experience. How do you even sign off on this? I mean, Jesus well, Christ. Well, that's you... the question. I mean, how in the, how did they even agree to this? Um, but, uh, you know, they had they had her um, uh, anesthetized, which is one of the issues. And, and, and there's a, a, a expert who's come in and said that they used way more than the way more anesthesia than they than a dentist is uh, allowed to use within a set period of time but she was in the chair for like five and a half hours um dressed 28 teeth I mean, it's just absolutely insane. And of course, there's problems. Um, And so subsequent to this horrendous visit that she had, she was treated um, at the University of Minnesota Dental School. And um, and she's having a lot of problems still with the teeth, and they may have to replace all of them. Oh, my God. Uh, It's crazy. Because, I mean, even... uh, before they start working on it, they have to give you an itemized list of everything that they're doing and you have to sign off on it and whatnot. I mean, I'm shocked that she even signed off on that. But on the other hand, I also know um, it's an authoritative figure, right? Like a doctor telling you you need something and like being explained it in mumbo jumbo big words. 
Uh, not everyone's going to take a second guess. A lot of people are just kind of like, oh, okay, well, whatever you think. Like, I don't know better. I'm suppo- I'm, I'm trusting the professional here. Yeah. Um, well, and I think also that somebody who comes in and has this, this much problem yeah. in their mouths probably hasn't seen a dentist in a long time, yeah. you know. And so, so I would expect that, that this person, that she went in um, and they said, look, you've got all of this problem, all of these issues, a whole lot of issues, but I can fix them for you. And I mean, can you imagine eight crowns, four root canals and 20 fillings? I mean, that, really, those should each, you could maybe do a couple fillings in a visit. But I mean, so that's 10 visits there, four visits for the various root canals and eight crowns. I mean, basically, they would say you're going to be in here every other week for the rest of your life. Um, but instead he said, okay, come in one day. It's going to be a long day, but you'll be out and we'll just fix it all out and fix it all up. And the next day you'll be good to go. So I think that that would have a certain appeal if you didn't really know how crazy that was, you know, and I think not everybody would realize that if they hadn't gone through these. I mean, um, you know, I've had a crown and I wouldn't want to do more, more than that in one day. I've done a cleaning and they say, yeah, you gotta, <laughs> we got to sign you up for a root canal. And I just said, okay, all right, we'll do that. And then I go to the front and I said, did they say we'd see you back? And I said, nope. And I, just, <laughs> I just walked out. And, and well, at some point these things do catch up to you. And Eventually. Yeah. And when it does, then I'll be more than happy to, uh, listen to the music. this is the music i i'm I'm a big fan of you know you make your bed you sleep in it i know the risks and consequences of it and i'm i will take the consequences and you're on the record now yeah what is even worse is the fact that uh, that she had to get more work done that this wasn't even like no it it potentially made it worse which is kind of impressive on the doctor's head, <laughs> to be honest. If he did all of these, if, I mean, the teeth must have been really bad in order to, you know, sa- mm-hmm. sign off on having to do all this work. And so the level of badness then and to be able to make it worse, impressive work by the dentist, if I might say so myself. <laughs> well, and that's why he's being sued. So uh, we'll see what happens on that one. But that was, that, I mean, I saw that and I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, I, it triggered me. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. Um, and it's interesting. You've been getting a lot more calls about it. Uh, I, I guess it does make sense. It's not a pleasant experience for anyone. And I think when it's something like that, where you kind of already come in with a negative mindset and then something goes bad, the, the the level of badness it needs to get for it to be a case is just very high. Like you said, it has to be, well, I don't know what the exact terminology it was. Well, just below the standard of care. Yeah, and so they have to be negligent. I mean, it's the same with, with, um, uh, with medical doctors. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they have to fall below the standard of care and then you have to have damages as a result. Yeah. Which I mean, is quite a bit for the dentist, I would imagine. Um, anyways, yeah, that, that's quite, it's just a lot. That's a lot. I know. I was pretty shocked. Um, so. We are kind of coming to an end here on the show, but I don't know if you wanted to cover any of the interesting cases in the news or any questions, comments, anything like that. Uh, We didn't really have any questions. I think everybody was too busy with the holidays. Um, so nothing they can't wait until wait until next time alrighty awesome well I want to thank everyone for tuning in and hanging out with us I hope everyone had a fantastic Christmas and New Year's enjoyed the time with their family um, we we had a fantastic Christmas I'm looking forward to New Year's up and coming if you have any questions or concerns feel free to reach out to us you can throw in the comments section and if it's something you don't want to throw out in the public you can also email us at podcast at showeredlaw.com you got any uh, holiday stories any do's and don'ts from uh, your own personal experience feel free to share that with us and uh, we'll, we'll be happy to talk about it on the show uh, but with all that being said thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next week 
Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing, prioritizing, prioritizing profit. dangerous drug and product cases. 